Super Show. We're going to move on to a little bit more of a dynasty focus here. Uh, so here's what we've got. We've got two. We've got kind of two different resources that we can pull from here. So first of all, last week Brian Har and I talked about the Superflex ADP that just came out. It's available at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Um, it, uh, based on three mock drafts uh, with uh, a bunch of different drafters, um, uh, including myself, I was involved in all three. James was involved in one. Um, so, you know, we, we've had quite a bit of representation there. Uh, Stompy was also involved in one, I believe, this time. Um, so, you know, we, we, put, we pulled those mock draft results together to form the Superflex ADP that you can find at DLF.com. We also, though, uh, we also have rankings available at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Mine are not current, current, and they're not active because they're not current. <laughs> they're they're due for an update. Um, but our uh, our our own James the Brain here uh, did a rankings update, and you can find his Superflex rankings again at DynastyLeagueFootball.com under the Superflex rankings. And uh, what we can kind of do here is compare the two. Um, we can put the the ADP up against James's rankings and uh, see see how they look side by side. So um, we're going to do exactly that here. So um, uh, the, I, I think uh, I, I kind of want to start at the quarterback position with you here, Brains, because um, it looks like so the, the Superflex ADP has Lamar Jackson as the quarterback three. You've got him as a quarterback too. Uh, the ADP had Deshaun Watson going as a consensus 1.04 and Lamar Jackson going at the 108. You've got Lamar Jackson going at 105 and Deshaun Watson going at 106. So, I mean, we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit here, but um, so you, but you obviously disagree with the ADP. Uh, I guess my question is why? <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, with Lamar Jackson, it's interesting because we, we don't have a huge um, sample size yet, right? I mean, this is his second season. In in the first season, he did struggle a little bit uh, throwing the ball. Um, that was an area that he needed to improve on, but he's shown improvement there. Um, they've drafted really well. I like adding Marquise Brown. I didn't love it at the time, but it seems like he's a very good fit there. Mark Andrews, the tight ends that they have there, they really have done, Baltimore has done a fantastic job building their system around what Lamar Jackson does well. Um, I do think that you are right. The, the one concern I have is injury risk. Obviously, when you're taking more hits and he's running the ball a lot, um, you know, you're, you're more prone to injury. Well, we're not going to use the, the injury prone label, but you are uh, more susceptible to injury. How's that? Um, so so we'll, we'll go ahead and say that. However, the one thing I love about Lamar Jackson is I, I feel like he's the type of player, if he's going to get hurt, I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to try to play through it and be less than 100%. So I, I have the opportunity when he's injured. I know he's going to be out and I can replace him. There's something to be said for that. Um, you know, these guys who play half hurt and half, you know, how about Odell Beckham this year? You know, it sounds like he, uh, he's he been playing her for the majority of the season. It looks like all season, and he just hasn't put up numbers. I would have rather him missed, you know, four or five weeks, go for surgery, and then come back fully healthy, you know, because I can plug someone else in that spot for four or five weeks, so I'm not getting, you know, this this uh, this total that I'm not expecting, this low point total in fantasy. So that, to me, Lamar Jackson is the number two for that reason. I really love what Baltimore is doing, building around him. I think they have a nice a nice base there already um, to let him shine, and I think that's going to continue moving forward. Also, that division does not look great. Um, let's be honest, Pittsburgh looks like they might, I mean, defensively they're very good, but I, I don't know that this team has a staying power to be good for the next few years um, unless they really bring in some talent. Cincinnati looks like they're in a complete rebuild and that's going to take some time. They're going to need a new quarterback, I think. And uh, Cleveland is a mess right now. So um, so just looking at six potential games of fantasy against those teams uh, really uh, kind of does it for me too. I, I, I like that a lot. Um, so Lamar Jackson to me is the number two quarterback for those reasons. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> it it is a very tough one. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I I don't know. We kind of took too much time on SOPs, so I won't get into that one too much because, I mean, we're also going to find some um, some stuff to argue about here, I'm sure. So, I mean, the, the last few weeks, I've been a little bit spoiled. I've had I've had Brian Haar here who's, you know, he's essentially like the the devil on my shoulder uh, with a, the ang- the angel has been off for several weeks. I, I get to just kind of say whatever I want and and he generally just kind of lets me do it. <laughs> uh and but now the now the angel's gonna gonna show up here and uh um make me hold me hold me to it a little bit hold my feet to the fire so um we're definitely gonna have some stuff to go rounds on so um for the moment we're going to uh i mean we 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 talked about this one last week brian har and i and and uh I, I just have to get your thoughts on this one as well. So, uh, shifting over to the running back position where you've got Saquon Barkley ranked 1.02 uh, behind Matt, uh, Pat Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey at 104. The consensus has McCaffrey one spot ahead of McC- of uh, Barkley, uh, 102 for McCaffrey, 103 for Barkley. So, um, you know, Michael Thomas is in the, is in between those two for you. Um, which to me is a totally reasonable thing to do. Uh, I might even put Michael Thomas ahead. Of, well, I would put Michael Thomas ahead of both of those guys. Uh, he's a much safer long-term bet. Um, so I'm fully on board with the Michael Thomas thing. I just, I just want to get your thoughts real quick on uh, Saquon Barkley over Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I coming into the year, <clears throat> I had Saquon Barkley as my number one running back. Christian McCaffrey, I had at three, um, just behind Alvin Kamara. Whoops, swinging a miss there this year. For sure. um, however, uh, I, I don't think Saquon Barkley has really done anything to move down. Look, fantasy points have not been there, but that team has been has been not good. <laughs> they, they've been they, it's been tough uh, for them. They've really tried to find their identity. They're starting a rookie quarterback for the majority of the year. So to me, you know, it's it's. Uh, if I don't have a reason to move Saquon Barkley down, I still think he's the most talented running back uh, in the NFL. Uh, Christian McCaffrey does a lot of things really well, and he fits today's game very nice. But I mean, that workload is not going to—it's not going to hold up. He's going to get hurt um, if he continues doing that. So, to me, I, I, I think that Saquon Barkley is still um, ahead of Christian McCaffrey until proven otherwise. I—I I know Christian McCaffrey has had a heck of a season, um, but we saw what Saquon Barkley was capable of last year. Nothing has changed. He's still capable of all those things. So, uh, to me, there's no reason to move him down yet. Um, so that's going to be my argument. I'm going to keep Saquon there just because I don't—I don't see why, after one season, um, I would move him down. Um, I don't think a lot has changed uh, with either of those guys. So, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> I think um, we agree there. Yeah. Yeah, we absolutely agree there. Nothing has changed uh, between those two guys. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is uh, this has been pretty civil so far. We're doing so far so good. Uh, the next one that really catches my eye. I mean, there are a handful of them that catch my eye quite a bit. First of all, uh, props for for really being pretty uh, pretty fair and pretty realistic on Amari Cooper. I know that must have been tough for you. Um, you've got him at 17 overall, uh, one spot behind Devonte Adams, other other wide receivers ahead of him: Tyree Kill, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas. That's it. So one, uh, two three, four, he's your wide receiver five. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty strong wide receiver six, Kenny Galladay. I I, I like this one. Um, it, it obviously gives me some pause though. Uh, some guys that you've got him ahead of include, uh, Keenan Allen. I think that's pretty fair. DJ Moore, uh, Chris Godwin. That's one that people are going to have a really tough time with. Uh, Julio Jones, Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you're you're pretty down on Juju, so we'll have to get to that one as well. But uh, Kenny Galladay ahead of all those guys. Um, Calvin Ridley ahead of all those guys as well, other than DJ Moore. You've got Calvin Ridley ahead of Chris Godwin, uh, ahead of his teammate Julio Jones. Um, ahead of Mike Evans and ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster. So uh, what's up, man? 
Yeah, yeah, this is I, 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 <laughs> my uh, my Chris Godwin ranking was going to get people kind of kind of up in arms, but the the problem with yeah. Chris Godwin is he's just not consistent. You can plug him in your lineup and you can get forty one week. That's awesome. You're you're you know you're on cloud nine, and then the next week Mike Evans could have forty and Chris Godwin could have six, and then you're going man, you know I really really was stuck there. I needed a big week from him. So I, I just wish I could see more consistency out of him. Uh, Kenny Galladay really has proven to me everything that I thought he was going to be coming into the league. This year, he proved that he can be that. Um, he's that guy. Uh, I really like what I've seen out of Galladay. He is the the number one on a team that's going to be throwing the ball a lot. That division is tough, and I expect the Lions to have to, you know, to be behind in a lot of games again. Um, so I think uh, the passing game and Kenny Galladay is really Going to be where it's at, we've seen Matthew Stafford has looked very good in this system this year uh, when healthy. Um, I think Kenny Galladay is by far his go-to guy. Um, we've seen Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones both put up good numbers. So to me, Kenny Galladay is up there. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to have him over some of these other guys. Um you know, like you said, Chris Godwin is a guy who I know I'm going to get some. I, I just wish I could see week-to-week consistency. I also don't know what's going to happen there. Are they going to go for a quarterback? Are they going to get one in free agency? Do they have a rookie passing them the ball next season? I mean, you know, there's a lot of questions on what's going to happen in Tampa Bay moving forward. I don't know that I feel comfortable with a lot of it. With Detroit, I think I know Matthew Stafford's going to be there until he doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think the coaching staff is going to change either. Um, I think they're going to give, at, you know, Matt Patricia, at least one more year. Um, so I, I think that there's going to be some steady consistency there. And that's something that we overlook a lot in Dynasty, John, is is having that continuity with coaching and uh, and that sort of thing. It's, it's really important that players have that. Um, and you pointed out, you know, players on new teams, you know, often that first year is not what we expect it to be. And I think that's a lot of, it has a lot to do with the fact that it's, it's you know, uh, they're winning a new system. Everything's kind of new. So um, to me, having that continuity is huge. And Kenny Galladay, I expect to have that uh, for the time being. So, um, yeah, I, I have him ranked pretty high and uh, and I'd stand by that, too. Man. All right. You actually kind of won me over on that one. Um Juju still feels a little low to me, but uh, as far as, um, you know, Kenny Galladay over Chris Godwin, I, I mean, I think that that's and, and you know, DJ Moore. I, I don't know who the quarterback ends up being in Carolina um, and, and ditto Chris Godwin, uh, ditto Mike Evans, um, you know, so a, a, a lot of the guys that you're talking about here, it's, uh, you know, the, there's going to be a lack of continuity that's going to. Um, that's probably going to push them down at least in production, if not in value. Um, so yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, uh, all right, here, here's another, uh, kind of an, a pretty big discrepancy. So you've got Josh Allen as your quarterback six. Uh, so ahead of, uh, guys like, uh, let's see, he's, he's ahead of, of Baker Mayfield um, stands to reason. Kyler Murray, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, uh, Jared Goff. Um, who else do we got? Oh, God. I just Did found you your... <laughs> Did you get to him? I thought that we'd be addressing that at some point. <laughs> and I had to go one spot past Ryan Tannehill to get to Aaron. That Rodgers. was intentional. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you knew that we were going to do this episode together, even though I know that you didn't. Uh, Josh Allen way ahead of Matthew Stafford, way ahead of Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, it, hard to take too much of an issue with those. Uh, I think the big, you know, kind of the big battles that you would you would get from most people would be on um, uh, probably Baker Mayfield at this point still. Definitely Kyler Murray. Uh, let's see, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff. I don't know that you're going to get a whole lot of pushback on that. Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz, possibly. Um. I mean, I have all those guys ranked ahead of of Josh Allen. Uh, I I don't think that people are going to agree with me on all all of those. Baker Mayfield is probably a tougher sell for me than for you, but um, but let's talk about Josh Allen. Why so high on Josh Allen? And 
maybe some of these other quarterbacks that you've got him ahead of, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins in particular, um, is it, are, are you low on them or are you just that high on Josh Allen? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Um, I, I, the thing I like best about Josh Allen is, is, you know, he's a dual threat. Obviously he can get you points in the passing game and get you points with his legs. Um, and he just seems to, you know, the past two years, he just seems to exceed expectations. I think he's going to continue to get better. I look at his supporting cast, you know, he's doing this with John Brown and Cole Beasley as his top two targets for the most part. I mean, that, and, and, he still has Frank Gore that they were relying on most of the year as the running back. I mean, they, they have really built this team around defense and Josh Allen is still finding ways to put up fantasy points for owners. So I, I really like Josh Allen. I think moving forward, he's just going to get better. And that's going to be the key is I think Buffalo is going to add pieces to make him better and to make that offense better. I think the defense is where they want it to be right now. And I think that offense is where they're going to address in the off season. So um, I, I, I really feel like, Buffalo is heading in the right direction. I like what Josh Allen has done. He's a playmaker, and uh, and I, I love the fact that he can get me points in multiple ways. Uh, as far as you know, being lower on some guys, there are two guys that you mentioned that I am a little lower on. One is Kyler Murray. Um, I. I I never, even when Kyler came out, I didn't have him as my quarterback one, as you know. Um, I had him as my QB four in that draft class. So obviously I was low on him. He's had an excellent opportunity there in Arizona. However, I still have questions on this system. I I mean, you got Kenyon Drake taking over for David Johnson and for um, and for Chase Edmonds, who looked really good. And, you know, this last week he comes back from injury as one carry. I, I don't get what they're doing there. They drafted a bunch of wide receivers, and every mock I see has them taking another wide receiver early. You know, how, how many wide receivers are you going to load on this team? I don't think that's the answer to help Kyler Murray at this point. Um, I mean, they, they have talent at the wide receiver position. I think you just need to give it time. But uh, I, I just I don't know what to expect from that offense moving forward, especially after a year where people are going to have tape on, on Cliff Kingsbury and what he wants to do to, to defenses and on Kyler Murray. So um, I, I look forward to seeing what year two is going to bring either. Uh, Kyler Murray is going to take a step forward and, you know, I'm, I'm going to look like an idiot with my ranking or he may take a step backward. And if he does, you know, I still might have him ranked a little too high. Um, the only other guy I'm going to comment on is Carson Wentz. I am not high on Carson Wentz at all. Um, it's been two years since Carson Wentz has really done anything for fantasy purposes. Um, he's very hit or miss. You have no idea what to expect out of the guy. I know that his receivers, his supporting cast has been hit or miss, but I mean, it's been that way for the past couple of years and they just haven't addressed it. I mean, you've had Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, who, who, you know, drops everything in sight. They haven't addressed the wide receiver position. They have two tight ends. They just started working Dallas Goddard really into the flow this year uh, more and more. So I, I, you know, it, it, it's interesting with, with the weapons going on there. I just, I don't trust Doug Peterson enough and I don't trust Carson Wentz enough to want him to, to have him ranked very highly. Uh, to me, he is a, uh, a back end QB one, um, in my opinion, in, uh, in a super flex format. Um, man, that, <laughs> these are, these are seriously like, I, I keep intending to argue with these and it's, and it's getting tough. I've, I've had Carson Wentz as a top five quarterback for the last several years. And, and I mean, the thing is we've seen the upside, you know, we, we've seen what he's capable of. We saw it in 2017, um, before that, uh, that season ending knee injury. I mean, he was, he was on his way to the same type of breakout, that we're seeing right now from Lamar Jackson that we saw last year from Pat Mahomes. So we we've seen that, but I mean, without knowing what that receiving core is going to look like next year, I, I, you know, like I, I I believe you mentioned Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, those guys are gone. You know, you're, you're down to Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard and JJ Arthago Whiteside, I guess. Um, Man, I really have to focus to get that lisp in there on, on his name. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it still feels really weird. Um, but, you know, I, I and, and I think that they bring somebody in. I don't know. I don't know, how, you know, how they're going to address that position. Um, but, you know, without knowing that, without that information, it does make it hard to to rank Carson Wentz 
you know, higher than guys who, who are going to have some continuity. Matt Ryan's going to be back. He's going to have Julio Jones. He's going to have Calvin Ridley. You know, it, it's, uh, he's going to have Austin Hooper. Um, you know, some of the other guys you've got ranked ahead of him, Dak Prescott, uh, even Baker Mayfield. I, I know that you're not super high on Baker Mayfield, but I mean, the reality is he's, he's probably going to come back to at least some stability. I, I, I would assume, um, although you're pretty low on Jarvis Landry, uh, which makes me wonder, uh, how I, I, I think that we should actually just go ahead and get to this as a Browns fan. Um, you know, you're, you're not particularly high on Odell Beckham jr. He's one spot behind Kenny Galladay, by the way, for you, uh, Jarvis Landry. Let me scroll way, way, way down to get to Jarvis Landry, who is uh, 76 overall for you, a spot behind Tyler Boyd, um, behind guys like Allen Robinson and T.Y. Hilton, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, uh, Cooper Cup. I think that's that's pretty fair. Uh, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, um, Adam Thielen, D.J. Chark, uh, Tyler Lockett. So, um, uh, that's not, that's, it, it, it's not horrible, but it does make me wonder, you know, what, what do you foresee for the Browns wide receiver position? Uh, does, does, is Odell Beckham Jr. back and therefore, you know, pushes Jarvis Landry down? Uh, does, um, you know, is there room for Jarvis Landry to move up if, if Beckham were to move on? Uh, and, and, you know, how is, uh, Baker Mayfield's value still being buoyed? Yeah, I, I, those are all good questions. I think when I look at the comments that Odell Beckham has made, um, I don't think he's happy with this coaching staff. I really don't. I don't think he's happy with his role in this offense. I don't think he feels like they used him correctly. Um, and so I, I have a feeling that in the offseason, once, you know, the coaching staff has changed and things kind of play out, he might be okay to, to, to stay in Cleveland. And I, I don't expect a ton of drama there. However, um, that being said, you know, we just saw what happened with Antonio Brown, and I don't put anything past uh, the NFL these days, <laughs> what we're going to see. But um, I do expect that the Browns are going to make a coaching change. And um, I think they saw the error of their ways with Freddie Kitchen, not only with the undisciplined nature of this team, the flags, um, the Miles Garrett incident, just the way that they handle themselves off the field, but also uh, on the field, you know, with the play calling and some of the, uh, some of the, uh, you know, the errors that we've seen on the field. So uh, that's, that's another thing that I, I expect to happen when that does happen. I think Odell Beckham will be back and I have him as my wide receiver seven. And I, you know, I'm expecting, you know, 11, 1200 yards and, you know, eight touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, somewhere in that area. Um, I think we can expect from him if he's fully healthy and he's dedicated and, you know, uh, he and Baker find a system that works for them. They can work together all off season. I think, I think that is uh, something that I would expect. Um, as far as Jarvis Landry goes, if, if Beckham does move on, which I mean, you know, there, there's always that possibility. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what the Browns do at wide receiver. Um, you know, they're going to have to bring in somebody else. Uh, I like Jarvis Landry as a number two wide receiver. That's kind of his role. I think that's where he should be. Um, however, I think he's been asked to be the wide receiver one on this team for two seasons now. Uh, one this year because Beckham's just isn't healthy and two um, last year. Uh, and, and I just don't think it works. I don't think that that's his role. So I do think if the Browns address that position correctly, they bring in a guy who's going to be their wide receiver one and Landry can be a wide receiver two. I don't think that's a bad thing for Landry. I think he can move up rankings there. Um, I do also expect with Baker, um, I do expect him to run the ball a little bit more. If there's a new system in place, he really has not been making plays with his legs at all this year. Um, it's, it's one of the biggest things that I see in his game that has changed. And I think that's, you know, to his detriment, I would really like to see him run the ball more. And I think a coach who knows, you know, what they're seeing and what, you know, he can do that. He can make plays with his legs when things break down. I would love to see a coach come in there and tell him, Hey, look, you know, slide, make sure you're sliding and you know we don't want to run it all the time but you know if, if a play's not there yeah tuck and run you know and uh, I would like to see that um, added to Baker's game again and I think with the new coaching staff you will so um, 
that's kind of my take on, on what's going to happen with the Browns here. I also think David Njoku, if he's healthy, will be a, a big part of this offense moving forward as well. So it looks like you're actually a few spots higher on Jarvis Landry than, uh, than ADP was. So, um, so maybe you're, maybe you're on that one. Um, let me find Odell Beckham Jr. Real quick. I, I, you're actually pretty close on him too. Uh, looks like he was essentially consensus, uh, 22, 23 and, um, overall, and you've, you've got him. Uh, where'd he go? I've got him at 20. 20. Yeah, so you're actually higher on Odell Beckham Jr. than the consensus as well. Yeah, by a couple spots, yep. So the, those look low to me, but uh, the consensus generally agrees with you on both of those. Um, and if anything, you're a little bit higher, just slightly, on those guys. Um, Another one that jumps out to me... Um, before we get to the the war here, <laughs> uh, and and this one could be a little bit of a battle. We'll see. But uh, right now, you've got Drew Locke, seventy uh, second overall. Um, I'll uh, I'll have to figure out where exactly you've got him ranked for quarterbacks. So the problem is this ADP was formed before Drew Locke was even activated off of IR, much less you know got his first NFL start for the Denver Broncos. Um, and certainly before, you know, that 336, whatever yard performance, three touchdowns, uh, at Houston in a massive win, um, 38 to 24. So, uh, you know, Drew Locke for most of us was still a relative unknown. Now I know that you've been super high on Drew Locke, you know, going back to his days at Missouri, he was your quarterback one in this uh, in this entire rookie class. Um, it it still feels like a small sample size. Uh, consider, so you've got him above Matthew Stafford, above Cam Newton. You know, guys who have already proven something in the league. Um, uh, not too much issue with a lot of these guys. You know, there's. Jimmy Garoppolo, that's uh, that feels like a tough. One. It, it feels like Jimmy Garoppolo is what you're, what we're kind of hoping. Drew Locke, you know, be becomes within the next, you know, year or so. Um, you know, maybe there's more breakout potential there than I give him credit for, but to me, that's that's kind of the goal is is to get, you know, that Jimmy Garoppolo type of production, kind of there when you need him more than anything. Um, and then, you know, you've got older guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, um, Tom Brady, obviously Philip Rivers. Uh, those guys are all still down here. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Derek Carr who, you know, who knows what his future looks like. Mitchell Trubisky, kind of the same thing. So not too much. You know, Jacoby Brissett has not looked great the last few weeks. You know, so hard to take issue with a lot of these guys, but um, Drew Locke, that that feels pretty high to me still, I guess. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's not a huge sample size um, on him. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm making my my ranking on him based on what I saw in college, how I project him to be in the NFL and the limited sample size that we've had, which, by the way, even though it's limited, has been impressive. Um, he really looks comfortable going to Noah Fant. He, he uses Cortland Sutton a lot. I mean, that's, that's encouraging. You want him to use those guys um, as his top threats, and he really does. He's uh, he, He's been fantastic. He really has so far in those two starts. But uh, when you look at some of those guys I haven't ranked ahead, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy who, um, you know, that that offense likes to run the ball. Um, ideally, they would run the ball before passing it. Um, I think that there is, you know, there, there's some weapons in the passing game for this year. I don't know if Emmanuel Sanders is brought back. Um, so if not, you know, we're looking at Debo Samuel and who else do they have? Pettis, they've really soured on. Um, Jalen Hurd, um, you know they they have a they have a few guys there that can that can make plays um but you know Kendrick Bourne but I I don't know that I would suspect outside of George Kittle anybody to really put up numbers week in and week out in that offense so I I I'm still low on Garoppolo I think that's going to be a run first team 
a team that wins with the running game and defense moving forward. And so I think his upside is limited. Cam, you know, we got to see. I mean, that injury hasn't been healing right. And he went and had surgery. And now, I, I mean, I, I have no idea what's going to happen with Cam. Um, do I think Cam is more talented than, than Locke? Yes, I do. Um, but I don't, the, the uncertainty in his situation, where he's going to be playing, if he's going to be healthy, um, you know, is, is he going to be the same Cam where he can, you know, uh, be as mobile, running around in the pocket, you know, making plays with his leg? I have no idea. Um, so that's, those are all questions that, you know, we have, to, we have to take into account when we're drafting a guy. So to me, Locke is almost safe. Than, than Newton, if that makes sense. Um, I know that there's bus potential for, for Locke. I mean, he may not be a good quarterback, but um, there's a chance that, you know, Cam Newton is, is so hurt that he's never the same again, too. So uh, to me, that's the reason why I've got some of these guys lower. Matthew Stafford, I like a lot, but that back injury, um, you know, I'm starting to hear some rumblings that that back injury might be uh, something to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, he's going to be 32 before next season, so he's starting to get up there a little bit with age. I love his weapons. Um, I really do, but I don't know. Uh, I, I like Kenny Galladay, and uh, we'll see how Hawkinson kind of builds into that role. Um, you know, he was up and down this year, uh, and I, I Marvin Jones is one of those guys that continues to put up fantasy numbers, but I think that's because of Stafford rather than um, rather than him on his own. So it's you know that's one I, I may switch. I may put Stafford back over Locke just because I like his weapons. But um, I think Locke has has tremendous upside, um, and you know he's obviously much younger. I think you can have him for more years. So I think there's an argument to be made that Locke can be that guy. It's just like you said, and there's a limited sample size, and I'm going out on a limb here. But again. You know, look where I have Kyler Murray, and yes, there's more of a sample size, but remember, I was higher on Drew Locke than Kyler Murray, and I still am. I still think Drew Locke can be a better quarterback, so I'm being pretty conservative when it comes to Drew Locke, if you kind of look at it that way, um, as opposed to Kyler Murray. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, you're kind of doing the same thing, I think, at, at wide receiver, although, I mean, you'll have to remind me uh, who, how you had the, the wide receiver rookie class ranked, um, but right now you've got AJ Brown significantly ahead of Nikhil Harry. Um, is that, was that the case? Uh, and, and actually DK Metcalf, um, closer to AJ Brown than to Nikhil Harry. So, um, is, is that a continuation of your college ranks or is that, uh, is there actually something going on now that they're pros, um, that has you either that much, you know, that high on AJ Brown and DK Metcalf or that low on Nikhil Harry? Yeah, it's interesting. Pre-draft, I was very high on A.J. Brown. He was my 1A with Nikhil Harry. Um, you know, I had 1A and 1B, and I thought they were both fantastic. Metcalf was my third, um, and so on. So, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of how I had them ranked coming in pre-draft. Then after the draft, I, I soured on A.J. Brown a little bit because he went to Tennessee, and you know how I feel about Marcus Mariota, who looked like he was the starting <laughs> quarterback there. So I soured on him, and I thought, boy, Nikhil Harry has an excellent opportunity with New England with Tom Brady. Um so I, I did, you know, there was a gap there, um, but that gap has since changed. And this is the battle that we'll get into, but I really think Ryan Tannehill has really vaulted his stock. He is, he's been the number one receiver there um, over Corey Davis and it didn't take long. Um, he has been fantastic. He really has been, he's been involved in the passing game really well. I think he's just going to continue to get better in that offense too. Derek Henry is such a threat running the ball that I don't expect him to see uh, multiple double coverage at all. So I think, I think he is, uh, his upside is there. I really like A.J. Brown um, and his upside. He's really proven to me in his first year, uh, kind of what I saw on film pre-draft. And so um, it, it, it kind of draws a, a conclusion here that while landing spot is important, um, maybe the quarterback isn't always a situation that you want to look at unless it's unless it's a long term starter. You know, a guy gets drafted to Atlanta with Matt Ryan or Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers or, you know, New England with Tom Brady. Um, you know, if, if it's not one of those guys, if it's a guy that you go, boy, if he doesn't play well, he could get replaced. Maybe uh, that's the lesson that I got to learn here is, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't over uh, uh, overcorrect my uh, my rankings based stuff of uh, alpha post draft. So that that would kind of be the conclusion that I would come to uh, ranking those rookie wide receivers. Okay, um, Darius Slayton, by the way, uh, pretty low as well. Um, man, I just had him, but 
I'm interested to see. Here's here's my concern with Slayton. I think he's a coaching staff favorite, and he's been very, very good. Um, he has a, a good rapport with both Daniel Jones and Eli, it's, it, it looks like. My, my question is, I don't know what's going to happen to that coaching staff. I expect there to be a new coaching staff in New York. I don't know that his role is going to be the same. Um, so that's what scares me a little bit with Slayton is that while he's done it this year and he's looked very good as a rookie, I don't know what his role is going to be moving forward, especially when you consider that Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram are going to be there, and that pecking order very well could change if it's based off of talent. I like Slayton a lot, but I think Sterling Shepard um, and Evan Ingram for sure are, are more talented, and Golden Tate at this point of his career probably still is for another year or two, so I just don't know what I expect Slayton's role to be. I really like Slayton a lot, and I know Bobby is going to, uh, our friend Bobby Koch is going to listen to this and uh, and and blow up my mentions, but uh, I like Slayton a lot. I do. I'm just concerned with his role moving forward, and that's why I have him lower in my rankings than most would. All right, so it... it it starts to feel a little bit like I'm just kind of uh, picking apart your rankings. Um, and that's not what the exercise is necessarily meant to be. So I want to go to somebody who um, I think you're far more realistic on than, uh, than the consensus to be totally honest. So um, uh, James Connor is, he was a 4.01. He was uh, roughly 37th overall in, uh, in ADP. Um, you've got him at 74th overall. So um, where uh, the ADP had James Conner, um, you know, just below Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones, ahead of Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Chris Carson, come on, Derek Henry, uh, no. Um, I, I I mean, not anymore, and, and at least in my opinion, and looks like yours either. You've got him uh, behind Mark Ingram. Uh, behind Le'Veon Bell, behind Darius Geis, kind of like that one. Um, it's a little bit risky, but uh, behind Miles Sanders and Kareem Hunt, um, definitely behind uh, you know Philip Lindsay, Chris Carson, Aaron Jones. Um, which your your Aaron Jones one was probably kind of tough for you. Um, well behind Todd Gurley. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I you you've I mean you essentially doubled the ADP, um, more than doubled the ADP on James Conner. So, um, so what is it with James Conner? Well, I, first off, I think uh, one of the things that we have to look at is that he hasn't, he, you know, he's. He hasn't been healthy. Um, I think he has a hard time staying healthy to a full workload. I think he's best in a committee. Um, so obviously, if that's the case, if I feel that way, then, you know, you shouldn't be uh, ranked ahead of some of those guys that you said that he's going ahead of, like Derrick Henry, Chris Carson. These are guys that are bell cow running backs that, you know, I feel comfortable week in and week out with their workload. I don't know that that's going to be the case with James Conner moving forward, especially with Jalen Samuel and Benny Snell. I mean, they have, you know, they've got some uh, – They've got some playmakers behind them. They've got some guys that can do some things. So I just don't think – I think the days of seeing James Conner rush the ball 25 times a game is over. Um, not to mention the fact that I, I – look, a lot of people are going to are gonna tell me that I'm picking on Pittsburgh. I'm not. Their defense is fantastic. I think they might have a top five defense uh, in the game this year and moving forward. I love that defense and what they've done. Offensively, however, I, there's some questions there. Uh, that offensive line's starting to get older, um, and, and, and I'm concerned about what that's going to look like. Big Ben is coming back off a season-ending injury. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get back. Um, you know, there's limited weapons. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster's coming back. Brown's obviously gone again. Um, even in the one game that we saw, uh, you know, Big Ben against New England, I mean, he didn't look good. I mean, not at all. So um, I'm worried about this offense moving forward as a whole. Um, it's not the talent of some of these players like James Conner or like uh, uh, Big Ben or Juju Smith-Schuster. I think those guys have a lot of talent and in the right situation can thrive. I just don't know that that situation is going to be right. I think Pittsburgh's going to win this, win games with their defense and with low scoring, uh, you know, low scoring affairs. So I don't know that that benefits the offense much. I could be wrong. Um, we've seen big Ben, you know, orchestrate some, some huge seasons before. I just think his weapons were a lot better then. Um, and, you know, we didn't have the concern over health over missing a full season, you know, coming back, trying to work his way back into game shape. So uh, I, I have some concerns with Pittsburgh's offense moving forward in general. Um, and James Conner is part of that. 
Um, yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I fully agree. And that's why I wanted to bring that one up. I, I, again, you know, I felt like consensus is, is a little too high on a guy. It's, it's also an organization, you know, who that tends to move on fairly quickly from running back to running back, you know, kind of the, the positive that we tend to think of in terms of running backs is they don't generally use much of a committee approach. They've certainly done more of that this year, although they still, you know, when, when Jalen Samuels is out there, it's more kind of in the, uh, you know, in the, as a pass catching back. Um, and in fact, they line him up in the slot a lot. So, um, you know, there's, there's, it's still not a heavy committee approach. Um, but because that's the way they like to use their running backs, they like to, you know, they like to kind of give one guy the, 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 the heavy workload um, and, you know, just ride him until he kind of breaks down because of that. They like to move on from that guy <laughs> as soon as they can. So, you know, there's, there's a chance here that James Connor, I mean, I believe he's, he's uh, got one more year on his rookie deal. So he's back in Pittsburgh next year, but uh, I don't know necessarily in what capacity. And, and it's, it's tough because I, I like James Conner as a player. I think he's very talented, um, both as a runner and a pass catcher. Um, I, I do think that he's the best back on that roster, but, uh, you know, health, you mentioned that, that, that seems like the big sticking point for you. And, and that's kind of how I'm feeling as well. I don't, I don't know that they're going to trust his body and if they do it it certainly won't be be beyond 2020 yeah and and you know i'd I'd like to comment that james connor to me is really hard to criticize because i like him so much as a person everything he's had to overcome his attitude towards everything i mean man it's tough to root against this guy um as a browns fan i know you know it's really difficult for me to cheer against him having success um but i'm just looking at this realistically as much as i like uh, i like the man um I just don't know that fantasy-wise, this is a guy who um, I'm as high on as as a consensus. I do think he has a future, and he's you know he'll be, he'll contribute somewhere. Um, I think in Pittsburgh probably this this next season, um, but after that, you're right. I mean, maybe maybe elsewhere, you know. But um, but yeah, either way, you know, this is a guy who while I'm I'm lower on than the consensus. I uh, again, it's hard for me to uh, to cheer against this guy. Yeah. Um, one more guy, cause I want to butter you up a little bit before we get to, uh, the main event, but, um, an, another guy that I, I, I think I agree with you on. Um, I certainly am. And I, I certainly agree with you more than a consensus on this one. And this is somebody that we pick on all the time and I can't get enough of it, but, um, I think, I still think we need to talk about Jameis Winston consensus has him going at 5.04. So um, you know, uh, roughly what 50, 53rd overall, um, somewhere in that neighborhood. <laughs> and you have him at 138th overall. The consensus has him ahead of Cam Newton, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, uh, Jacoby Brissett. Um, and not only do you not have him above any of those guys, you actually have him below Andy Dalton. Uh, find some more quarterbacks. Got to scroll a long ways to find any more quarterbacks. That's how buried those guys are. Uh, Nick Foles, um, who may or may not have a job next year. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, who may or may not have a starting role next year. Philip Rivers, who may or may not have a starting role next year. Um, but to, I, I mean, just to put words in your mouth a little bit here, I, I think that you feel more comfortable with the idea of these guys landing a starting role than Jameis Winston. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. And that's the disconnect that I think sometimes we have in fantasy. Uh, and, and especially when we're doing these mock drafts is we think about Jameis Winston this year and you go, man, this guy scored some points, you know, so you draft him in those mocks, but you, you know, not everyone's looking forward to, well, 
you know, he also has thrown, what, 22 interceptions this year? Um, do you think Bruce Arians is going to keep trotting him out there if he keeps throwing those interceptions? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I, I trust that. So, um, you know, that's, that's the thing for me is that Jameis Winston is maddening. He shows, you know, those flashes of being able to put up 38, 41 points, but he also shows those games where he has four interceptions. So um, how are you going to count on a guy like that moving forward, that that guy's not going to get benched? I expect Tampa Bay at the very least to bring in competition. And as soon as Jameis Winston has one of those games, it could be week one, it could be week three, but it won't be long when he has one of those games where he throws three careless passes and he's got three picks and, you know, in three quarters and they pull him and the opportunity for somebody else to come in and throw to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and OJ Howard and Cameron Braid and all this talent with Justin Watson and Perriman. I mean, all this talent around him. Um, if, he, if, if whoever that is can succeed, Jameis Winston's probably not going to have a job moving forward. So uh, I totally agree with you. I think uh, some of the guys I have him ahead of, you know, uh, or ahead of him, uh, Nick Foles, I just think his contract's too big for, for Jacksonville to move on or to bench him. Um, so I think Nick Foles is, is going to be a starter moving forward just because of the, the sheer amount of money that they owe him. Um, and, uh, and, and so I feel comfortable with him. Andy Dalton, I think will start somewhere um, or he'll be, you know, maybe he's the guy they bring into Tampa Bay, you know, <laughs> um, to, to back up Winston or to, to compete with Winston. So uh, I, I do think it's uh, it's interesting moving forward. I just don't think Jameis Winston is a good quarterback. He doesn't take care of the ball um, while he has potential. He, he, you know, everything's a boomer bust play. You know, I mean, there's no, I mean, there's so many head scratching plays that he makes that you, you just wonder what is he seeing? What is he looking at? You know, I, I just don't see it moving forward with him uh, being a starting quarterback. Yeah, and <laughs> obviously I agree with you, so I won't I won't hammer the point too much. I mean, I think you you said it all. I, you know, kind of best case scenario for Jameis, they pick up that fifth year option, but they also bring in somebody uh, to you know maybe to compete with him, maybe to back him up, and you know maybe it's maybe it's kind of a Ryan Tannehill situ type of situation um, where you know you bring in somebody who's perfectly capable of of replacing Jameis Winston as soon as it becomes obvious that you know you're going to get a repeat of 2019 where um you know the 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 downside just outweighs the upside for NFL purposes you can't live with the turnovers you can't live with the bad decisions and you can't live with the fact that you're just not winning football games so um scenario for Jameis Winston is you know, a handful of starts in 2020 before he ultimately gets benched. Mm -hmm. um, so, all right, w one last one, um, and mm -hmm. and I know you did this on purpose. Uh, so, so we we really should talk about it, even though I I don't really want to. I kind of don't even want to be here right now. <laughs> uh, Ryan Tannehill, 62nd overall. Aaron Rodgers, 63rd overall. So they're close. They're close. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's generous of you. I also find it interesting that those two names are just cosmically linked for you. I I, I can't imagine where that would have came from. Um, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, well, let me go ahead and start defending this ranking. Okay. So Ryan Tannehill is, I want to thank uh, Addison Hayes uh, at amaze Hayes underscore on Twitter. He tweeted this out, Ryan Tannehill's first eight games of 2018. Okay. Um, 132 for 197, a 67% completion percentage, uh, over 1500 yards passing, 1578, 16 touchdowns, six interceptions, five and three record. Okay. He's, he's, he's on his way to, if he finishes the season the same way, he's going to have 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and they're going to be 10 and six in Miami with 3000 passing yards. Um, so this year in seven games started, Ryan Tannehill is 136 for 187, a 72% completion percentage, 1,849 yards passing, 15 touchdowns to four interceptions, and he's 6-1 and one as the starter in Tennessee. So Ryan Tannehill has shown previously that he can be a good quarterback in this league. Here's the thing, okay, and I'm going to say a few things here, and, and I expect you to agree with some of these. First of all, Ryan Tannehill is a system quarterback. 
He's not anything special. He's not a guy like Aaron Rodgers where you can plug and play and go, you know what, he's gonna, he'll be fine in any system. Um, Ryan Tannehill is a system quarterback. I think he's found his system here in Tennessee. Um, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is more talented than Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that is the case, but even one one-hundredth of a percent. But I do think in fantasy, who do I want? I want the guy who's younger. I want the guy who has shown that he is he is fantastic in this system, a guy who looks like he's going to get another deal to come back here to Tennessee, um, a guy who has young weapons with Corey Davis and with A.J. Brown um, that he's been using. Um, you know, Delaney Walker's missed a lot of the season. Janu Smith has been there. They haven't missed a beat. This guy is putting up fantasy numbers in seven games, 1,800 yards. That means he's on pace for 3,500 yards. Um, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I mean, I, it's unreal. His his numbers are very, very good. I expect them to continue. We've seen it before. So it's not like this is a flash in the pan that we haven't seen him perform well. Previously, we have. And I think this this team just has so much more talent than any of those Miami teams ever had. Um, and and I think you're seeing it. I think you're seeing what Ryan Tannehill. Remember, this guy was, was a top 10 pick uh, in the NFL draft. This guy was considered to be a very good quarterback uh, coming out of Texas, uh, I believe it's Texas A&M. Um, it was either A&M or Tech, I don't remember. But one, one of those schools, he was, he was very highly, uh, highly thought of and sought after. He was drafted highly. Um, this guy is a guy who has talent. It's just a matter of finding it. Um, right now, I think... I think Ryan Tannehill is a young Alex Smith. And let's go to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, at the beginning of the year, I said I, I was concerned about his his supporting cast. I'm concerned about this offense. I'm concerned about some of the comments coming out of Green Bay as far as, you know, who's going to run the show there. Um, and I, I think, you know, ultimately – the thing with the coaching staff has worked itself out, but this has become a running team, man. I mean, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, they're running the ball. Aaron Rodgers does not have the supporting cast around him to throw the ball and put up 350 yards and three touchdowns every week. He just doesn't. Devontae Adams has been good. He's fine. We all know that he's a good receiver. Who else do they have? Do you feel comfortable with Alan Lazard? You feel comfortable with MVS? Do you feel, I, I mean, the, I, there's nobody on this team at the wide receiver position outside of Devontae Adams and even the tight ends uh, that, that I feel comfortable with moving forward that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to put up big numbers with. They're going to have to address that position, whether it's in free agency, whether it's in the draft. I think they're going to have to get better, but that could take some time. And Aaron Rodgers is getting up there in, in, uh, in age. Um, I don't know how much longer I want to wait for Aaron Rodgers to, to bounce back and try to be that guy that we saw, you know, three, four or five years ago. So, um, I know that you're going to have a lot to say. I can't wait to hear it because I know that uh, that you're. Uh, I, I would expect you to call me an idiot at least twice. So um, that's the over under on that. <laughs> uh, as tempting as it is, I'm I'm not going to go there. I'm also going to try and keep it fairly brief. I, I know that we're way over time already, um, and and I do have one final question for you before uh, before we wrap up. But uh, I, I I guess my big question is. How does if Ryan Tannehill really is, you know, kind of the franchise quarterback that um, I mean, certainly that he's playing as right now. I mean, obviously, right. The the production right now is undeniable and it's in the elite tier among quarterbacks in the NFL right at the moment. Um, you know, there there's kind of no way around that. But long term, how does a, a quarterback you know, like that become available for, you know, for a fourth round pick. That's the part that, that throws me off. I, 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 I know that the Miami dolphins haven't always been, you know, the, the model of front office, um, you know, aptitude, but I, you know, a, a quarterback of this level doesn't just become available for, you know, for a simple fourth round pick, uh, if, if, you know, this is what he actually is. Um, I, I, I don't, I just don't trust it. I mean, I, I think that we've, he, he started off fine in 2018. Uh, he's had some success here and there in Miami. We've also seen him, we've, we've seen him do the same thing that Jameis Winston does with the, the decision-making. Um, and the the turnovers we've seen that throughout his career we we also have seen the fact that you know you like to talk about uh, about uh, you, you know you kind of wrestled the term injury prone um 
you know, thankfully away from uh, the cl- the evil clutches of laziness and platitudes and kind of redefined it a little bit. Ryan Tannehill has some weak spots on that body that have caused a lot of problems. Now, I'm, I, I, it, it seems like the knee issue finally got fixed once and for all, and that's why he missed all of 2017. But there were still injuries that kept him off the field in 2018. I don't know. It's 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 not a particularly healthy body. It's not a particularly uh, you know strong track record over the course of his entire career. Um, whereas we've we've seen all of this from Aaron Rodgers. You know we've we've seen we've seen his you know the level of consistency that he can provide. Now it wasn't there last year. I think that he was dealing with a knee injury the entire season. I I still believe that it it hasn't been there this year, and that's a fair argument. He's perfectly healthy as far as I know, and he's been healthy all season. He's had some a couple monster games. Um, but it's something that I absolutely despise in quarterbacks is when, you know, your your fantasy total for the year is buoyed by, you know, two or three huge, you know, monster games. That's like that's the opposite of what we're looking for in Superflex. We want consistency. Right now, Ryan Tannehill's consistent. Aaron Rodgers is not. So I absolutely grant you all that. It's just you know, what we know about these guys, what we've seen over the course of their careers is the ability of Aaron Rodgers to be a consistent elite performer and Ryan Tannehill to, you know, come and go. And uh, in when he is available, when he is healthy, it's, it's, it hasn't always been consistent. There's again, there's a reason that he was available and there's a reason why, you know, so many people are surprised by what he's doing right now. This kind of came out of nowhere because, you know, as, as, as good as he looked at the beginning of 2018, you know, that's, that's really kind of it for Ryan Tannehill. He has not been this for his entire career. And the idea that he's going to continue this is I, I, it's a leap of faith. That's, that's the whole thing. It's, it's, it's not particularly likely. And to me, Aaron Rodgers is still one of the most likely quarterbacks in the entire NFL to have that QB one type of season. Um, I, you know, I think that we've, first of all, we've seen the emergence of Alan Lazard this year as the number two wide receiver. I think that that helps, but I also think there's going to be a lot of, of wide receivers on the free agent market. And I think somebody's going to land in green Bay and I think it's going to make a huge difference in that passing game. Um, second year in the Matt LaFleur system. Uh, and, and we've also, I mean, I go back to that Carolina game where I had to argue with Stompy throughout that entire uh, fourth quarter of the the Green Bay Carolina game where they were playing in the snow. And he was telling me how bad Aaron Rodgers looked. And I'm sitting there watching Aaron Rodgers making throws on the run right on the money. I, marching down the field with, you know, with effortlessly on that Carolina Panthers defense, and they get down inside the the five yard line, and it's Aaron Jones time. <laughs> Aaron Jones had something like three three or four rushing touchdowns. Uh, you know, Jimmy Graham had a had a receiving touchdown called back. Aaron Rodgers finished with one passing touchdown, um, and over three hundred yards, I believe. Um, and you know, if, if those red zone targets become passing touchdowns, which they have in the past, then all of a sudden, I mean, we're, I don't think we're having this conversation. I certainly wouldn't have had to have that argument with him then. So, you know, I, I, I think that the, the, the bottom line is the ceiling is still there for Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's a, it's a relatively high floor to me, but certainly, I mean, all the ceiling in the world. And I think that there's a lack of a floor with Ryan Tannehill that is it, it's going to be a little bit foolish for people to buy into. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. I like you said, we're way over time. I'm I'm just going to comment real briefly on one thing, and that basically is, look, we got to start 
and and I know you don't, you've been hesitant to do this. We got to start taking age into account with Aaron Rodgers. He's 36 years old. If we play fantasy in two to three year windows, he's 38, 39. I mean, how long do we expect Aaron Rodgers to play? I just don't know. I don't know how much he's enjoying it anymore. It looked like early in his career, he was having a ton of fun. Now I don't know that that's the case. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't know what's going to happen in Green Bay, how much longer I expect Aaron Rodgers to play. Again, Ryan Tannehill has five more years. I know that your argument hasn't been really age uh, as far as these guys go. It's It's been more, um, you know, uh, track record and that sort of thing. But I just feel like sometimes when you hit a certain age, it becomes harder to hit that high ceiling that we've seen in the past. You know, it was easy for Rodgers to hit that ceiling at 28 to 30, easier at least, and it is at 35, 36, 37, moving forward in a new system. So um, I don't know. I think Green Bay is doing him favors by by uh, having the run game be, you know, be prevalent. They're probably extending his career out. I think that's a good thing for Rodgers. However, um, I, I don't know if that's going to be the way that they handle things moving forward. I don't know how high his ceiling is going to be. Uh, week to week, I think his ceiling is very high. However, as far as a full season goes, I don't. I don't know, John. Um, I'm. I don't know that I'm with you there. But that that might be our disconnect on Rodgers. Yeah, and and I think that's fair. And I mean, he's going to fall in my rankings this off season, and a big part of it is going to be the age. Because I, I mean, like you said, at some point you have to start taking that into account. I mean, we saw Peyton Manning breaking records at 37 years old. Aaron Rodgers will be 37 in 2020. So, you know, it, it's, I, I don't think that he's at the cliff necessarily, but it's, it's on the horizon for sure. Um, and I think that that does, I, I agree with you that that needs to be uh, a variable. Um, but one last question before we get out of here. So right now I'm running uh, four mock drafts um, and this was kind of just, uh, you know, on, on my own unilateral, uh, just kind of an effort to start to gauge values a little bit um, before startup superflex dynasty mock drafts that include 2020 picks. Um, I'm curious in your rankings, where do you think 1.01 would slot in for you? Sorry, I'm actually looking over the rankings now to decide. That's a really good question. Um Oh boy. Um, we could even, we, we'll start by breaking it down by tiers. So um, tier one for you an, ends with Russell Wilson. Is it? No. He, he's, so 1.01 is not tier one. Uh, Cortland Sutton is the last one in tier two. Uh, 1.01 or Cortland Sutton? I don't think I'd have it there either. I'd rather have Sutton, I think. Okay. Uh, I'd have it tier three. Um, okay. I'd probably have it towards the top of tier three, probably right after Sutton, actually, before Keenan Allen, Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley, um, somewhere around there. Um, again, you know, with picks, there's a risk. I, I love a lot of the, the players coming out, obviously. It's been touted as one of the best draft class, classes for um, positional players in a long time. And I, I think it's going to live up to that hype. But um, at the same time, if I'm in Superflex, I'm taking a quarterback um, at 1.01. It just this year there's two quarterbacks that you can make an argument for that's Joe Burrow and Tua uh, and and you, you know when when you decide which one you're going to take a lot of it's going to be due to landing spot a lot of it's going to be due to Tua's health and kind of what we expect moving forward with him but um but either way I like a lot of those guys I still think a proven Cortland Sutton a proven George Kittle who's right ahead of Sutton for me um are guys I would rather have over an unproven commodity guys like Keenan Allen who are starting to get up there in age I don't know what to expect from the Chargers even Josh Jacobs uh who is my highest ranked rookie on here um I would rather have the 1.01 in this class than why envision uh would be the 1.01 in last year's class if there was a redraft at this point so um that's kind of how I'm how I'm approaching it here uh, yeah, that that makes all the sense in the world. I think that the consensus is probably going to end up agreeing with you. But once these mock drafts are complete, uh, not only can I write about it for the for uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, but we can also analyze it here on the podcast. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to uh, to revisit that one. But so far, it looks like you're probably in the same neighborhood, and it feels like everybody's exercising. Um, remarkable restraint right now when it comes to that 1.01 pick uh and um 
I it, it's much much appreciated from my perspective because uh, I feel like we go way too crazy with those rookie picks. So I'm glad that at least for now uh, it's uh, it's been reasonable. But we're gonna wrap it up for the for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family Make DLF Family of Podcast Mega Feed. Wow. And get access to all the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you'd give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, involve more people in the conversation. From there, we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. You can also send them to any one of us individually. Uh, James is at underscore James the Brain. I'm at Superflex Dude, And we can retweet those polls for you, help you get more votes and comments, and sometimes even bring them here on the podcast. And again, don't forget to check out James's Superflex rankings, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, I will have some as well. I think Brian Hard does as well. Check out those rankings, and uh, we'll try and keep them updated uh, frequently throughout the non-point scoring season. Thank your heart and soul radio for the song, The Addiction, that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexible.